Welcome to the Jammin' Show. My name's Ben Villers, and I'm a fitness trainer, DJ, and MC here in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to my show. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Today's going to be a great, great episode. In this topic today, I'm going to go over six steps to improving knee stability. Okay? And right away out the jump, I want to tell you that there are right away more than six ways to enhancing knee stability. Um, It's a continuous conversation, you know, fixing your knees, fixing your back, doing whatever. Um, It's a continuous conversation. So it's not just six steps. It's a variety of things. There are steps within the steps that need to be taken into consideration when trying to improve your knee stability. Okay. So first thing I wrote down right away is fixing your squat technique. And that's from the ground up. So this is a really, really important one. And understanding that squatting in general is, is very healthy. It's a human function. So the inability to squat shows a lack of dysfunction, a lack of non-optimal movement. And this is really important to understand, right? This is really important to understand because a lot of people avoid squatting altogether or people avoid heavy squatting or the opposite, people squat, but they lift too heavy for what their body is capable of doing right? They should not be lifting that heavy. And how do I know this? Because there are a set of cues that you're able to visually see when you're evaluating someone's squat, right? So inside of my list today of six ways to enhance knee stability, here are five ways that I can, I can right away tell if your squat is, is all fucked up. First of all, do you even have the option of going low? Can you even go low? Can you squat to full range in motion? Think of this as train tracks or a door hinge, anything that's on a smooth whatever, a hinge, a track. You are supposed to be able to squat all the way to the ground. So if you have the inability to squat all the way to the ground because of your knee or because of flexibility or mobility, um, proper strength, proper muscle activation, then you should not be sniffing any weight. You shouldn't even be sniffing any weight. You should be doing these body weight, um, working on going full depth, starting with maybe a dumbbell, a mini barbell, some, some resistance bands. And then when your body weight technique is money, and I'm not even talking about barbell on your shoulders. I'm talking about maybe some front squats and dumbbell squats and goblet squats and barbell, uh, some bodyweight squats and B-stand squats and single leg squats, all before you get to a heavy barbell squat, okay? Shouldn't be sniffing it until you're able to get low and move smoothly. Um, I see people all the time, every day attempting to squat with weight that is too heavy for them on their back. And they're loading this up like they think they're doing something impressive, but they can't even get parallel or barely parallel. And this is going to cause an injury 
It's, it's, it's essentially inevitable because if you go back to what I just said, you want to have lubricated joints and you want it to be smooth, right? Think of it as when you're squatting and you can't get low enough. Um, it's like a screech, like, ee, ee, ee. It's, it's just, it's just screeching. It's like a, a halt at the bottom that is just so not good for you. So if you're adding heavy weight on top of your inability to move smoothly through your squat, imagine just jamming that weight on you over and over and over and over and over again. Right. So this will cause your knees to be super fucked up, but having a proper squat in the first place will help your knees be better. Not, not the other way around, not the other way around. Another way I notice when people is squat super fucked up their, their spinal position. Is it super flexed? Is it, um, is it tucked in? Is it straight Right. you can tell by people's spinal control, how their squats doing. Um, you can tell by their, their knees, right? Are their knees caving in or are they excessively too far out? Are their legs too far out? When I was younger in high school, what I tried to do to uh, sticky, to, to band-aid my knees, because I wasn't sure how to fix my knees caving in back in high school um, or knew how to fix my back. So what I would do to help attempt to fix this is I would go wider, wider legs, wider legs was my cue to help not let my knees go in. And it worked for a while, but it did not solve the problem. The problem, uh, solving the problem does not come from wider legs. It does not come from wider legs. It comes from greater control from the mind, not letting your knees cave in. This is something you're able to do from your brain, right? So that and then lastly, they're breathing. How are they breathing when they're squatting as well? Um, the breathing absolutely matters in your squats, especially the heavier it goes, right? So I'm able to tell through all those things if your squat is not very good, right? So again, I just named five things inside of my list of six things about why I saw a squat, how I can identify squatting not being very good. And then um, this is step one to fixing and stabilizing your knees. Okay. So there is that. So step number two to stabilizing your knees is reawaken your glutes. Make sure your glutes are firing. The thing is, is what I've realized over my years is that everyone has glutes and a booty. Everyone's got a little, got a little booty right? Big booty, little booty. Everyone's got a booty. I have helped, um, help, I have helped people with like literally pancake butts, flat butts, sticks for legs, get glutes. And these are people who thought they can never get glutes, like never. So one of them off just the top of my head is this one, like the sixties. So he had his whole life thinking he had like a, a little, like a little Jewish white boy butt, but no butt. And I helped him build the butt. So he's got a butt now. He got that in his 60s, right? So his 60-year-old butt is better than his 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20-year-old butt. And then a girl, she's in her mid to later 30s. Um, she had no butt, like, growing up. And she thought she, like, did not have a butt. 
it was really comes down to the training protocols and the exercise selection, everything she was doing just wasn't great for glute optimization. Sure. Over her time, she was doing like, you know, some squats and CrossFit stuff like that, but it takes a diligent focus in building the glutes. You're not just like trying to, Oh yeah, this exercise is good for your glutes, quads, and hamstrings. Oh yeah. This exercise. No, you want to do exercises that's good for the body part, not, exercises that do a bunch of things at one time, right? Um, activating the glutes is in your best interest. I've made plenty of episodes on this alone. Having a strong set of glutes, guy, girl, old, young, athletic, not athletic, is in everyone's best interest. It helps you be more comfortable, less pain-free, higher energy, more confident, better athleticism, like literally all of these things come from your glutes because when your glutes are strong, the chances you have like problems are less. You can be overdeveloped in the outside part of your glutes. You can be overdeveloped in certain parts of your glutes that can cause other issues, but that is a gap between someone who has no glutes and someone who's overdeveloped glutes, right? So if you have no glutes or underdeveloped glutes, doing anything to get them fired up and feeling them and getting some shape and muscle in them will be in your best interest. And if you're someone who has overdeveloped glutes in a certain way, that is another conversation for another day. Um, but having a strong set of glutes again is going to help with your knee stability. All right. That's step number two. So step number one, having um, redoing your entire squat program. Um, step number two, making sure your glutes are strong. Step number three, we're actually going back to squatting, single leg squatting. So this topic today is on knee stability. So step one was redoing your squat. So this is for the people who have to redo it all. But if we're working on knee stability, if we're working on stabilizing your knees, then you want to practice doing single leg squats as well. So you're not just going to be focused on squatting with two legs. You're going to also be focusing on squatting with one leg um, in a variety of different positions. There's a, there's a, there's a few, quite a few ways that you can single leg squat and being optimal in all of these is great and can really identify a long list of problems you may have. So squatting on two legs is great. But squatting on one leg is a great that like evaluation for me to see if um, you're able to like like see what the problem is. I can see your issues with one leg easier than two, and I can also see which leg is worse. Right. So there's a variety of different ways to practice this. I'm not going to go over into all the forms right now because that's another list inside of a list. But if you just start practicing doing things on one leg, um, some hinges from the hip, knees, um, you're going to see some, some evenness, right? It's about evenness. Um, and that includes barefoot. Remember, um, like I, I didn't even write this really um, in the list, it's tied into this and the last thing, but your feet, right? The feet and, and your single leg bound. So if you have shitty shoes 
or your feet are all over the place, um, that's going to fuck up your knees, right? So you want to make sure your single leg squat is something that you do regularly to identify issues, but also to practice and improve um, your, your, your knees and stabilize them, right? Number four, improving your balance, right? So that, in, that, that includes on both two and one leg, both two and one leg. People, I've come across a lot of people who struggle with balance and um, a lot of people are, are just thinking of the wrong things when it comes to balance. So first of all, your glutes are the number one muscle being used when balancing, right? So first of all, when you're, if you're someone who struggles with balancing, focus on your glutes when you're standing on one leg, okay? But just prioritizing, improving your balance will help your stabilize your knees, right? So again, this list is um, how to stabilize your knees. So that means taking time to focus on improving your balance, right? So um, this comes from your foot, your ankles, from your knees, and your glutes and your hips, right? So practicing this will help with knee stability. If you're someone who has no balance, your knee stability is probably not excellent as well. So let's make sure that we're working on our, um, our, our balance as well. Um, number five is making progression. This is actually probably one of the most important things that anyone needs to be doing in their training protocols. One of the biggest mistakes people make, um, people who, for, who don't work out and people who work out. And I'm kind of going off the cusp here based off of experience and data I've collected. One thing you guys need to understand is I collect data on my clients over time. So I'm not just running training sessions and just running them. I have like my clients in a database and we're tracking their stuff over time reps, sets, workouts, as much as possible. Okay. So I have a really, I got some like live experiments going, right? So I'm not just winging these observations. My observations are the accumulation of, first of all, me starting as an athlete, as a young, as a young guy playing years and years of sports and committed to sports, practicing, working with coaches, then being a kinesiology major, getting my bachelor's degree in this Going into the real world, working in the industry, the sports and nutrition industry, doing some corporate, doing research, having mentors, training hundreds of clients. Right now, I've got over 35 clients that I see in person. Okay. So I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of experience. And one of the observations that I feel that I have is that too many people are just working out to work out and maintain. And that even includes the people who are working out all the time and, and with the intention of progressing. Unless you're tracking your, your workouts and you're tracking your stuff over time and you've got a really confident idea what you did before, what's new for you, what's not new for you, you're not going to fix any of the problems or achieve any of the goals that you, that you, you, you may wants. You need to see progression. It can't just be maintenance. It cannot just be maintenance. It cannot just be the same thing over and over and over again. Even if you're going to the gym and attempting it, because what I, what I believe 
what I really believe is you're, you're at you. There's a, I think I can make an argument that you almost are doing more damage to your body by doing the same repetitive things over and over and over again, than than not going at all, but having good nutrition, good sleep and low stress, because now you're just like kind of, you're kind of just like someone doing the same movements over and over and then breaking down over time. You don't mix up the rep counts. You don't wait. You don't mix up the, the weight. You know, mix up the volume. There's a lot of things that people don't mix up in their routine. So a routine's like a recipe book. It's a it's a variety of different things. Okay, it's like it's like a cook recipe. It's like a cooking recipe, and and part of the recipe is not just doing three sets of ten or two sets of ten or two sets of twenty or three sets of twelve, which is which is common set counts. You need to be rotating your progressions. Um, what I like to progress in the gym. Um, so we, we always like to start off with clients with a five, four, three, two, one failure set. This is a great test for even the most frail beginner people. So instead of making someone do three sets of 10, you're dipping their toes in what they can do for five reps, then four, then three, then two. And then last set is, is one rep failure. Technically the heavier weight you go, you're only going to be able to do one or two reps, right? So it's really a one rep slash failure, depending on where you are, right? Then, then the next week for my program is four by three. So we do literally four sets of three reps, right? This implies a heavier day, but we're not doing as many reps. This is saving you and the body all the wear and tear on what those repetitions can do because working out is breaking down the body. That's, that's what we're working on. So if you're doing less reps, in theory, that's also less damaging at the same time, but we're adding more weight. So you're still getting stimulus and adaptation effects to the body. Then the next week on, on the exercise is five by five. So this is five sets of five. This is a rigorous week or, or set for whatever exercise. It's not always in weeks. It depends on the program. Sometimes our exercises you know, it's each exercise or a different set counts, but sometimes it goes based on weeks, right? So five by five, then the next week would be 10, eight, six. So now we're going more volume, right? So five by five is just 25 reps, right? Um, 10, eight, six is actually now that I'm talking out loud is 25 reps as well, but it's a lighter version of five by five. So five by five, is the same amount of reps as a 1086. But when you do a five by five, you have to, you're, you're lifting a tremendous amount more weight because doing five reps is way different from doing 10 reps. Okay. So in our five by five count, we're going heavy, but in our 1086, we're going lighter and we're doing 10 reps in a row, eight reps in a row, six reps in a row. Now, on the last week, I like to double down on an additional volume week. So I'm a little bit more flexible on this final week. So five, four, three, two, one, four by three, five by five, 10, eight, six. And then the fifth week is either like three sets of 10, three sets of 12, four sets of 10, two sets of 20, three sets of 20. You can kind of experiment with the volume here. Right. And then you restart the whole process again at five, four, three, two, one, and you see what you've gotten better at. You and this is this is the fucking key. Like this is the fucking key to knee stability.
but longevity. And I really, and we're going to see if this theory holds weight as I get older with my clients, but pretty much I'm seeing my older clients get younger and I'm seeing my young clients be better than ever. I'm seeing what I'm teaching as making improvements. My clients stick with me because they feel better. They feel great. They feel healthy. They feel younger. So I really think that this ties into avoiding like arthritis or other anti-aging stuff. I hear a lot, don't get old, don't get old, don't get old. But you know, a lot of the people who I see have issues with arthritis or, or joint problems is they do a lot of the stuff that I'm telling you not to do. They're doing a lot of the stuff I'm telling you not to do. And I'm doing it, I'm seeing this based off observation. It's not like we're sitting down having a conversation, but it's hard to talk to a trainer who's older than you, who's been doing this longer than you, who you still think you're better than, and try to give them advice too. So I'm, I, I get surrounded by trainers who, you know, because I'm, I'm 30. It's not like I've been doing this longer than, than even bad older trainers, but I'm surrounded by trainers and, and there are bad trainers. And there, there are bad trainers. There, there are people who are paying bad trainers, the same price that they're paying me. And, and they're really not taking their job very seriously. And I know that's a really bold thing for me to say, but I don't care because I know the amount of work that I put into my, my craft, right? And people, not everyone's able to explain things and pinpoint things and, and fix things like, like, I'm, like I'm able to, okay? So until I see someone get worse with me, develop some type of arthritis or some, I've only been fixing these issues. What I've noticed is that heavier weight helps fix these arthritis tendon issues. The key is good form. The key is the other things outside of working out like low stress, sleep, health, uh, nutrition, all that stuff. But if you're doing high volume all the time, which is what people do, I don't think this is good for your knee stability. I don't think this is good for your physique. I don't think this is good for your, um, your strength. I think it's subpar. I think it's better than nothing. But I think there's also an, a case out there to be made that you shouldn't even be doing anything and you should be just doubling down on your nutrition, your stress and your sleep. Because I'm dead serious. If you actually were someone who was so good at what you put into your body, how you keep your stress levels and what your sleeping looks like, you, you actually, you don't really, you don't need the gym. You don't need the gym because people underestimate the, the, the power of what that other stuff does. But if you're someone who focuses on the nutrition, low stress, and good sleep, you're probably not at a desk all day. You're probably not driving around all day. You're probably doing some type of lubricating joint mobilization stuff that's just free movement, getting sun going for a walk, a basic stretch. You're not in corporate. You're not in the field in bad shoes. Like in our society, if you're someone who's not working out and you feel good, you're doing, again, you're doing the nutrition, the low stress, good sleep, and you're doing some type of day-to-day -day thing that makes you happy. That's so key. Gyms were not around when God started making humans. I also 
make hear a lot of people make comments on my Instagram thinking that body weight stuff doesn't work. And that's literally so wrong because in this episode, I talked about how you have to rebuild your squat with body weight to fix your knee in the first place. So at its bare minimum, body weight is fixing your body, right? You should be doing body weight and dominating in the body weight realm before you toss on weight. And you'll be so surprised at how easy the gym is when you go into it after doing body weight because body weight transfers very, very well to the gym. Okay. Last tip to knee stability is having strong uh, mobile, um, you know, ankles, calves, heels, lower extremity muscles. Everything below the knee needs to be like loose and mobile, <clears throat> incredibly not stiff. So I see a lot of people who are very stiff. You want to be able to walk backwards, have your, go on your toes, press through your big toe, get your knees over your toes with a lot of movement. Um, all of these things, improving your mobility in your ankles, calves, heels, um, can be done. One of the last things I'll tie into is, yeah, there are people with genetics who are better at something. So, um, like feet or ankles or glutes are really common ones, right? So there are people who are born genetically with tighter feet and ankles and, and backs and, and stuff like that. Okay. That's really, really common. Um, and there are people who are more loose, right? So if you're comparing the two genetics plays into, into a role, it also plays into a role in how much someone needs to focus on something, right? So if someone naturally does have better feet or ankles or, or, or booty, their exercise selection is going to be probably geared towards something else so that they can be more balanced or that they can really take their you know, ankles or their legs to the next level. But someone who is genetically not as gifted, right? They just have to, so that person who's genetically gifted in the feet or glutes, their exercise selection is going towards something else that they need. And then that person who has less genetically blessed ankles or feet or glutes, they have to spend more time on fixing those. But if they take the time to, to fix them and like they actually prioritize building the arches in their feet, building the mobility in their ankles, building the, the muscle in both the anterior and the posterior of your lower extremities, making sure you're doing all the things that are, are needed for yourself you can have excellent feet. You can have excellent feet, excellent ankles, excellent tibia and calf muscles. It's a choice. You have to make that choice and you have to commit to it. Just like if you're joining a weight loss program or just like if you're getting a new job or, or anything that requires commitment, fixing your feet, fixing your knees, fixing your heels, it just requires a commitment, not feeling bad for yourself, doing the right things, learning it and practicing. And I'm making this sound really, really easy. And it's not, it's not, I've just, I've, I've had so many years of experience to be able to talk about it, but the good news for you is that fitness is an ongoing long-term process forever until you die. So, um, just because you're too old or too young doesn't mean it's not the right time to start. And I hope this episode helped. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. And um, I hope you guys check out the next episode um, whenever I make them. Have a great rest of your day, guys. Take care.